feel the master. I feel we the master. Ready. 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 Well, come on. We come on. Ready. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back into another episode of the Charm City Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hollihan, back here on this Saturday evening discussing the Baltimore Ravens falling to the Pittsburgh Steelers by a very, very similar score, 17-10, to as was earlier in the year, and a loss that the Ravens, you know, Leaves you with a, it's your rival, so it's obviously going to sting, and especially it being Pittsburgh, but it's a loss that, you know, you say to yourself, okay, our second and third units looked pretty darn good. I really liked what we saw out of our pass rushers, a lot of, you know, brilliant plays by them, good pressure they had on Mason Rudolph. And I think it really showed how deep this Ravens team is this year. So hats off to Eric DeCostra for putting that together. But I also wanted to say for a Ravens team that, you know, there's two veterans on this team that both had such a big impact on this season and a huge impact by one that no one was expecting this year and that of course is Kyle Van Noy but Jadavion Clowney who's had a career resurgence um I think Luis Reddick put uh put it for um Clowney this year after he got that big sack and and the the funny celebration he had which was just awesome to see as he got his $750,000 bonus and earned nine and a half sacks on the season. Jadavion Clowney has been kind of an afterthought the past couple of years. You know, you, you hear his name sometimes in games, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. You, you know, Jadavion Clowney, man, you know, I forgot he's with Cleveland. But then you see this year, and coming off a season where he only had two sacks, he goes and has nine and a half. He was so um, inconsistent, I think, throughout the past couple of seasons. He had zero sacks in eight games with Tennessee, then nine in 2021 and 14 games, just two last year to nine and a half this year and playing in every single game and starting in 14, the most he started since 2021 and, you know, ties him for his career high, which he had back in 2017 when he had nine and a half with the, with the Houston Texans. So what a, what a great season for um, Jadavion Clowney, but Kyle Van Noy is a guy that I was watching on the Pat McAfee show, um, I think like week two, and then he comes over and, you know, and I knew Van Noy from his playing days with the New England Patriots, so I kind of had a feeling what we would be, you know, getting, and he'd bring over leadership and all that, and, you know, he'd be a good tackler. I didn't know how much we'd get out of him because, um, you know, just being 32 years old and, you know, no one really wanting him, but he has eight sacks this season, and if you watch the Ravens mic'd up, they're wired um, 
weekly episodes that they put out, Kyle Van Noy is one of the leaders that breaks the team down. I mean, and just, you know, wasn't there throughout training camp, wasn't there throughout mini camp in the spring and OTAs and whatever have you. He comes in, and I think it speaks to how great of a culture that John Harbaugh is has built for the Ravens, but is specifically building with this uh, crop of Ravens. And Kyle Van Noy, I mean, you wouldn't you would have thought he was here. He was signed last February. I mean, this guy comes in and he's just he's awesome. He makes great tackles. He's a great leader. He goes out there and you know works his butt off each game. Um, and he's just a great guy to have, I think, in your locker room. And someone that I'd sit here and say, man, I might consider re-signing him. Maybe. I might consider it. You know, nine TFLs this year. That's, you know, second for, and, and only started two games this season. Nine tackles for loss. That's unbelievable. Only starting two games this season. Remember that. Um, so unbelievable out of, out of, uh, KVN, but so I just wanted to give those two a shout out. Thought they played great. Thought Trenton Simpson played great as well. Um, you know that's a guy that I think you feel very uh, strong about from a depth standpoint moving forward with your linebacker position. And I thought he he did a great job. Tackled really well. Had a had a fantastic uh, game. And I think you know that's someone that you you look at and you can say, man, you know, there's a lot there. They got that right. Uh, Delshawn Phillips had 13 tackles as well. Um, thought he he did a good job. Uh, Arthur Millette saw him make some plays. Um, you know, and the secondary was kind of they let that one big play go to Deontay Johnson for that long touchdown, right? Uh, 71 yards, which which stunk and was a clear. Um, back end issue in the secondary. I think that comes from Rocky Asin and Marcus Williams. You know, they haven't played with each other enough. I think that kind of was the reason for that. But um, I, I also think, you know, that was the lone blemish that I can really say about the defense today. If I would have done a preview episode and I didn't because I, you know, I wanted to come on and do one and speak about this great rivalry that is Raven Steelers football. But I didn't. I didn't want to put out there who was going to be sitting based off of who I would have sat because. Um, and while I think I was right for the most part, I definitely didn't want to put out false, you know, facts out there and all that. So I decided to hold off. But if I would have, if I would have had, I would have said, you know, listen, this is. A great rivalry, not just between the two fan bases, but between the two head coaches. I mean, this was the 35th meeting between John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin, dating back to 2008. Who would have thought back in 2008 when the Ravens hired John Harbaugh? He was not their first pick, not their first selection, but they brought him on. He was kind of an unknown coming over from the Eagles. He's their special teams coordinator, and he's, you know... Him and Mike Tomlin have gone head-to-head that many darn times. And how many times he's been and how many years he's been with the Ravens, especially when it looked, um, when things looked a little bleak uh, in Baltimore for, for a couple years there. So, you know, I definitely think this rivalry has taken uh, another step from where it was when Brian Billick and 
Um, Bill Cower were the two going head to head, but Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh they have carried this, you know, uh, rivalry into, you know, great heights. I mean, when I was a little kid, I'll tell you what this this season, these two games felt like Raven Steelers football. Like to have games come down to the end of a game. And it's just one play that turns the tide. But to have defensive football, you know, show itself is fantastic. That's what you expect out of Ravens-Steelers games. I mean, this is a weird kind of rivalry where it's not based off of, you know, like, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers versus Matthew Stafford, you know, or it's um, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Not that that was an interdivision matchup, but you get my point. Like it's a different feel. It's a different rivalry where that's uh, where that's regarded. And I definitely feel like, and I think I'm not saying anything that is not already known, but it's all about the defense. I mean, back when I was a kid, it was Ray Lewis versus James Harrison, and you know Troy Polamalu versus Ed Reed, and you know which which line was going to get the bigger push, which running back was going to find a hole and rush for 30, 40 yards, which I hoped was, you know, Ray Rice or Willis McGahee. No, it's 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 still that same, and today it showed. It's still that same game. It's still that same rivalry. I mean, Najee Harris was the difference, 112 rushing yards. And that touchdown, I mean, he, he put together, you know, hats off to him, I guess, but he put together a solid game. But the Ravens, they got after it. They got after Mason Rudolph. They forced fumbles you know when the Steelers had something going the Ravens got a pass rush right there in Pittsburgh's face they forced two turnovers two fumbles um unfortunately the Ravens had two of their own where Melvin Gordon and Gus Edwards put the ball on the turf and you know that's something that obviously needs to get cleaned up as uh as you know we find out next week who the opponent um that the Ravens will be playing a home playoff game for Baltimore their first since 2020 and should be should be exciting to see um and uh the 2019-2020 season uh, let me preface that but you know I think you look at this game as a whole you saw a lot of your secondary guys I think Nelson Aguilar did a did a nice job getting you some some big catches Isaiah Likely had some big receptions Justice Hill out of the backfield had some good uh Good plays as well. Gus Edwards, when he wasn't fumbling the ball, you saw what he could do on that one drive he had. It was unfortunate, Tyler Huntley. I don't think he had enough time, and I really wasn't thrilled with the protection he had today. But, you know, I that is a great Steelers pass rush, so it's kind of tough to fault the Ravens' O-line. So, you know, overall, I think that's the only phase of the game where I thought that the Steelers really, really beat the Ravens. Now, Pittsburgh, the main reason why I... One, it's Pittsburgh, but two, wanted to, you know, beat the you-know-what out of Pittsburgh is because you don't want to let them into the playoffs. Now that the Colts have just been eliminated, Pittsburgh sits at seventh in the conference, and they can get in, um, you know, with a, I believe it's a Jacksonville loss and a Buffalo or a Buffalo loss, and there's a few ties in there somewhere, I'm sure. But that's how Pittsburgh, um, I know, can get in, and they handled it right there with the win. Now, me, I don't want 
the Steelers to get in. Obviously because it's Pittsburgh. But if I'm a football fan watching this, especially if I'm the NFL, Pittsburgh's going to do nothing. I mean, when I look at, you know, when people always say, oh, how far did a team go in the playoffs? You know, I always look at how competitive these, you know, your game was, you know, how far that game was competitive. For Pittsburgh, I think if they went up against any of these teams that's maybe not Buffalo or Jacksonville, whoever gets that sixth spot, so it won't be them regardless, they're not even going to hang around for, I think, three quarters, three full quarters. It might be like a, okay, it's a 17-7 game at the half, or okay, it's a, you know, it's a 17-6 game. Pittsburgh, you know, needs to come out and get it together offensively, but they're not going to do that. So I'm not even expecting it. I know that the only way Pittsburgh is going to win a game is if the other team beats themselves. So as much as Pittsburgh was running around celebrating, and I saw Joey Porter Jr.'s uh, post-game Instagram story where he said, you know, we don't step on business, we we stomp on it. Like, okay, dude, I mean, congratulations. You beat the Ravens second and third strings by a touchdown. Here's a cookie. Like, good for you, bro. Like, you're so lucky to be in this spot, you might as well buy a Pennsylvania lottery ticket. You know, please. You guys got a lot more work to do. And and, um, Mike Tomlin's plus 500 historic record, as impressive as it is, is continuing to put you nowhere because you drafted a bum for a quarterback. So I just wanted to get that off my chest as I'm ranting here about the dreaded Pittsburgh feeble Steelers. They're not doing anything. I'd rather see Jacksonville get in. I'd rather see Trevor Lawrence try and do something with Doug Peterson. You know, an offense that might make it exciting. Not an offense that, okay, Pittsburgh's playing. Okay, what's the top college hoops game right now? Let me flip to that and see if, you know, in a couple minutes what they did. Did they move it, you know, five yards? Yeah, sure. Right now, Mason Rudolph gives them a better chance. Let me put it that way. But as much as I'm ranting about Pittsburgh, for the Ravens, we're going to sit back and see, you know, what the matchup's going to look like and who most likely it will be um, for uh, for the Ravens, um, you know, second uh, round game in that divisional round. Who's going to be coming to the bank? For Baltimore, you got a two-week off period here. Um, I think John Harbaugh talked about it. I think it was after... Uh, the Miami game, or maybe it was after the Jacksonville game, or excuse me, the San Francisco game. I think it was after uh, Miami, though, where he said, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it, how we need to go about, you know, putting together a plan so we don't have a letdown like 2019-2020 against Tennessee. Hopefully, you know, they they put together a plan, put together a solid week's work put in, and, um, and they're ready to go. But till that Friday when I'll be back on here or Saturday when I'll be back on here previewing the Baltimore Ravens divisional round matchup till then thanks everyone for tuning in I'm going to assume it's going to be till then because the Baltimore Orioles are doing nothing they're giving me nothing they haven't made trades they're not improving the bullpen I don't know what this group is doing they're squandering an opportunity need to wake up so until then I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone, again for tuning in. Sucks that it was a loss, 
but it was an encouraging loss. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and as always, I'll talk to you next time. Coming home again. Do you think about me